Hey, what up, Long Beach? Once again, bringing you our weekly podcast from the562.org. I'm JJ, he's Mike, he's Tyler. Unfortunately, as we always say, we're comprehensive here. For the second time in less than a month, we're talking about a Long Beach football team forfeiting games for things that didn't actually end up happening on a football field. This time, it is Milliken, it was Cabrillo. This Milliken situation, much more complex than the Cabrillo situation. Mike, you did an incredible job on the story that you can find available right now at the562.org explaining how many things had to happen for one thing to happen. And the one thing that happened really, and we said this during the Cabrillo thing as well, the kids are getting punished, right? There's forfeitures that take wins off the board that they played in those games. They were on the field. They know that they won them. But instead, you're moving forward into the rest of the season where there are now more question marks than ever before. For, and I think we should say this throughout the pod, a program on the rise. We always say it with every sport. When Milliken's good, the Moore League is better. And Milliken's football rise has made the Moore League better. So this kind of burns even a little bit more because we know where we were headed. A couple months ago, everything looked real fresh and shiny over there. Well, and I think one thing you mentioned, it's like a complicated situation. The Cabrillo thing coming out of it was so – it was such a bummer because they basically lost their shot at the playoffs unless they finished in the top three in the Moore League. Um, Milliken, weirdly, because they beat Jordan, is sort of in the same spot. You mentioned how much that program has been on the rise. They're currently slotted by Cal Preps at the number eight team in Division Four. Long Beach Poly last year was the number one team in Division Four when the playoffs started. It's uh, Milliken was several divisions below that. For them to come up to that level, I think, is exactly what you said. I mean, it speaks a lot to the rise of that program. Um, and weirdly, you know, we're going to see what happens with this uh, investigation and, and what decisions get made. But because they beat Jordan, um, say the Moore League in the top couple spots plays out the way that Cal Preps would predict it. Say that Polly beats Milliken on Friday. Um, say that Polly beats Jordan at the end of the regular season. We don't predict games. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but say that that does happen. Milliken did get a forfeit loss to Wilson um, in a game that they won that J.J. you were at, and they won quite comfortably. Indeed. Um, they would be tied with Jordan for second place at 4-2. and two. They would have the one loss to Polly and then the forfeit loss to uh, Wilson. Well, if Milliken and Jordan are tied for second place, Milliken has the tiebreaker over Jordan because they beat them. So really, if they win out, um, you know, and, and, you know, lose to Polly or whatever, they still end up as the second seed out of the Moore League and highly ranked probably in Division Four. Um, so well, in, so unless, in, uh, uh, Compton could really throw a wrench in here and also be four and two, which then, as we talked about last week, envelopes, baby. A hundred percent, for sure. And, you know, and, and I'm operating under the assumption, uh, under the computer's assumption at Cal Preps that Jordan has kind of distinguished themselves um, in that chase pack after Polly and Milliken. And certainly I think the game that uh, Tyler and I saw, which is what I wish we got to just spend two weeks talking about, <laughs> the 58-54 Milliken-Jordan game on Friday, um, I think Jordan has certainly sort of planted their flag as being ahead of everyone. But we will find the answer to that question out, I think, somewhat definitively when they play Lakewood this Friday. Yeah, that's a great point, Mike, because that's probably going to be the game of the year in the Moore League. And it could be game of the year in any sport as we look back on this entire school year. I mean, what an amazing football game. I know we had a bunch of people reach out to us after seeing the video saying, wow, this was you know such an amazing game. I'm so glad you guys were there to capture it. We needed a nine and a half minute video to really get the full scope and magnitude of the game and all the touchdowns and lead changes. It was Wild. So congratulations to the players on the field for putting on a show like that and having 
played a game like that in your careers. Uh, we unfortunately aren't giving that as much airtime as we would like to because so much of the focus is obviously on the breaking news, the, the questions around the program, the forfeits. Um, but, but one thing I did want to make clear, because you mentioned the Cal Preps rankings, I know some people were saying, oh, this is going to help Milliken because now they only have one win. They're going to they're gonna fall in the rankings. That is not how the Cal Preps rankings work. They are focused on what happens on the field, judging uh, teams playing against each other. So Milliken is exactly where they were. Mike, I know you had that in your Cal Preps ranking story, explaining, you know, Milliken has not dropped. They are right where they were before, but that is important for people to understand that this is not going to impact their playoff seeding, though it has put a little bit of pressure where they can only afford really that one maybe loss to Polly this week. But otherwise, if they do what they did last year, only losing to Polly and beating everybody else, they will go in as the Moore League's number two seed. And whatever division they fall in, that depends on the computers. I think it might be smart to go chronological here because everyone knew what was wrong with Milliken before that game, right? It was like, oh, an eligible player, blah, blah, blah. But then as the weekend progresses and then into this week, Mike, like I said, you did a great job with the story, making sure you talk to as many people as possible because it almost seems like every day more information is coming out that then begats more questions that we don't have the answer to. Well, and, you know, listen, we're, we've mentioned the Cabrillo situation a couple of times. I, I do want to acknowledge they're very different situations because the Cabrillo story, um, when Stacey Alexander, their vice principal, called me, the story was over. They had discovered that something had gone wrong. They had investigated what happened. They had realized they needed to forfeit the games and sort of book closed moving on. But there was also total transparency about what had happened. You know, hey, this is what happened. This is how this got messed up. This is how it was discovered. Um, the Milliken situation, uh, you know, we got a very brief statement that really did not include any details. It was just an ineligible player was used um, and we're forfeiting the games. And the head coach is on leave, uh, which our reporting has since found out is uh, pending an investigation into the football program. And so there's an interim coach. And then the uh, principal, uh, you know, hustled the media, including national media, who is there to profile some of the athletes. Uh, hustled everyone out after the game and said no one's allowed to talk to anyone about anything, even if we're just asking questions about the historically amazing football game that yeah. occurred. Never had that happen. Yeah. That's never happened before. It's, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> uh, that really grinds my gears, if I'm, if I'm being really honest with you. That sticks in my craw. To take, the, to take the ability to talk about something incredible away from someone who hasn't done anything wrong, Jaden Hunt deserved to say that was an incredible football game. I feel lucky to be a part of that. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Like, all of that stuff, those kids deserved to say that. And to take that away from them, I think, is just doing so much. Do so much less in that situation. Well, I think the other thing I would point out is, and, and I've had this conversation with several people this week, um, trust your employees. Right? Trust the people who work for you and say, hey, you look, you're going to be asked about this, which, you know, absolutely. Yeah, also I, maybe just stand next to them, and if something starts to get off the rails, much like an SID at a Long Beach State or something like that, just say, hey, this is not what we're talking about. They're kids. We are also knowing that we're interviewing kids. Well, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't even have – personally, I right? honestly wouldn't and even have And if they start the kids, to get into that, you're like, okay, you, I'm not going to print that part or whatever. There's so many times in which we do that when kids are, like, cussing in interviews. We don't put everything in there, you guys. But, Quote them warmly and accurately, and we do that every time. And to have that ripped away from them not us that's ripping away from them it just it seems unfair on an unfair situation but the but to me it's like you trust your interim coach to say no comment and yes. then talk about the game you know it's it's really the fact that apparently that is found to be a hard thing to do i think says a lot about uh, administrative capability to be yeah, honest with you. you said transparency <laughs> i think that's the word of the podcast like we need more of it 
well, and 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 doesn't it sort of imply that it's something going on that's terrible? Like Absolutely. when you create this vacuum and you say, not even that you're not even giving them the leash to no comment. Yeah. you're saying it's so bad. <laughs> like you know, what? you're Couldn't just possibly yeah, you're just creating doubt by saying like I don't want them exchanging pleasantries with members of the media after the game because who knows what they're going to say. Yeah, it's showing a lack of trust in the coaching staff that you're trusting to be around the kids, but not to say the wrong thing to a, you know, members of the media who are like friendly. Like I don't people don't really look at us as like the enemy of the coaches and the players, obviously ask any player if they think we're not the homie, but whatever. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it, sh- it seems to show that there's something bigger there when if you just let them say, hey, this was an amazing football game. It was an honor to be on the sidelines. I'm so proud of the kids. Oh, what about the forfeits? No comment. I don't know. It, it just makes it seem like there's a lot more smoke and a lot more fire yes. by completely cutting off. It's step, one, it's step one to looking guilty for sure. So in any event, and I, I would add, I, I spent basically the entire weekend on the phone with people talking about this situation. Absolutely. I cast a much wider net than I would have uh, had <laughs> had I not been sort of bodied away from uh, talking to an interim coach after a historically good football game on Friday night. But my point about transparency actually was not about that. I just thought that was sort of indicative of how unique this situation was. Um, my point is this. Because no information was put out there, um, and, and with a pending investigation, I understand. It's a different sort of amount of info you're going to be able to divulge. Um, it just Long Beach is a small town, as the three of us know, and the rumor mill was working overtime from Thursday morning when we broke this story um, until you know I, I was able to put that story out today, this morning, Tuesday morning, and kind of throw some water on this. But <laughs> we heard, I mean, it, it, was, it was nonstop, the stuff that we heard about players are being paid and half the team is going to be ineligible. And this player's parent was the one who informed on it because he's mad at the coach and all these other things. And, you know, Tyler and I showed up on Friday night. We saw a very cohesive coaching staff and football team that was very much together and and no apparent rift between anyone. There was one player that was ineligible, which if you look at the CIF Southern section transfer page, the player that we expected was going to be ineligible, which we've confirmed is what has happened was an address check on that player. Uh, I do think it's important to note it that we never name players. Right. So yeah, it's not right. a thing we do. So some people are like, why don't you just say it? We don't do that. Keep going. Um, and so, you know, the main purpose, honestly, of putting this story out there is it's like, look, there's still a lot of questions. We don't know what's going to happen in this investigation. We thus don't know what's going to happen with Romeo Pelham uh, and this Milliken program that he's been building. We're just not going to have the answer to that right away. What we do know is from an enormous amount of reporting I did over the weekend – most of the quote-unquote interesting rumors were false. This actually was a fairly normal situation. It was exactly why Polly had to forfeit a game back in 2016. It was exactly why Jordan has had to forfeit football games, why uh, uh, Lakewood Cabrillo. and Cabrillo the time before and Wilson, like literally every LBUSD high school with a football team has forfeit games over this exact reason, over a kid being ineligible, um, over the address not not checking out. And so I, I kind of agree with you guys. I think some of the, the lack of transparency and like weird secretiveness sort of makes it look worse than it is. But really, it's just that. And they're also investigating to see if other things happen. That's basically what happened. And, and extend the request for transparency to coaches and players. Like it's across the board. The more you hide, the more it's wrong. Like nine times out of ten. Yeah, and, and you know, if the if the rumor mill were a quarterback, it would get pulled after two drives because the accuracy is atrocious. <laughs> 
So, like, but that's the problem. Like, Sorry. when the, you know, when, when we broke the Cabrillo news, like, we never like breaking uh, forfeit stories. They're the worst. You know, I mean, we, we hate writing about, you know, kids being bummed out that, you know, their season's going to get changed. And, but there was no rumor mill really swirling about Cabrillo. It was an argument about, is this rule right? right? Is it fair? Is it, um, you know, whose fault or, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. the typical blame game that happens. But there was not really a void of, like, what was going on. It was a pretty obvious, like, it was the facts were out there and then people reacted accordingly. Yeah. But you had all of this swirl of misinformation and rumor and, you know, pointing fingers and it got way more out of hand with the Milliken situation because there were no, you know, there was no information and facts supporting it, um, which, you know, we're glad to finally be able to give a little bit more accuracy and Mike was able to to do a ton of reporting to get to that information where we can, you know, confidently say this is, what happened though we still don't have all the information and mike one thing that you pointed out in your story that was unique about this situation because the point you made was we've had teams forfeit games for this sort of violation pretty unfortunately pretty consistently over the past seven eight years what's different is that the coach was placed on leave so romeo pelham not with his team for the foreseeable future we're not sure um so Talk about how that's different, if you don't mind, and kind of why that maybe is necessary given this particular situation and what makes it a little bit more unique than what we've seen previously. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the full details on that, obviously, will sort of wait on. But um, you're, you're absolutely right. JJ and you and I have all broken one of these forfeit stories over the last 10 years. And um, even in cases like Jason Brown at Cabrillo, where it was pretty obvious that the school district felt that this dude was a rampant cheater who needed to be reined in, he was never he was never suspended or placed on leave, um, which kind of led to me thinking, okay, I wonder what's going on here. And it's pretty clear that the feeling in the school district is that there are potentially more violations um, that need to be looked into. And I think specifically around, um, you know, school districts are never going to feel that if an address check results in a player being declared ineligible, they're never going to feel that that happened on accident. And so I think there's a desire to find out um, what happened, uh, who's responsible for what happened, to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, I have heard a lot of people who've just said, oh, they just put him on um, on leave to keep the kids from transferring out midseason, uh, and then he's going to be fired at the end of the year. Absolutely not. From my understanding of the reporting and, and multiple sources within the school district, this is not a foregone conclusion. It is genuinely a, hey, seems like there's a lot of stuff going on. We need to find out the full extent of it and figure out if this is a rules issue, uh, a, a discipline issue, or a personnel issue uh, that would lead to something like a firing. So I just think like this is not the way social media or the world want to move. Right. But ultimately what happened is a violation occurred. It was uncovered. The thing that always happens when a violation occurs happened. There were forfeits. We know the situation for the team on the field. And for the rest of it, we're going to have to wait until the investigation's done and, and a decision's made. And that's, it's, it might not be satisfying, but that is the case. And I don't think we're going to get it anytime soon either. I could, I've, I've had to make a prediction. I don't want to predict bad things. But if I had to make a prediction, I would predict that we don't see any more information coming from this that we can like then carry and give to you the readers and the people who actually care about this football program until the end of the season i see an interim head coach until the end of the season and then after it's over then we might get some clarity as to what the investigation was and what the result of said investigation is well and and i'd like to just make a quick point here given (laughs) all that we've said and the fact that we've had this conversation about what's happened 
you know, the 562 didn't exist five years ago. And imagine a story like this happening in which there's a, a statement from the school saying that they're forfeiting the games. There's a new coach on the sidelines and there's really nothing else being said really about this situation. All I, I know the point you were making, Mike, where it's like everybody in the social media age wants the full story immediately right away. But it doesn't work like that. It, sometimes there needs to be an investigation. Things need to come out. Things aren't – you can't share certain things because, you know, it you know pertains personal information, whatever. It's a lot more complicated than people want it to be where it's just like just tell everybody what happened. It's like well, no one really knows fully what happened yet. So it does require some patience. But imagine the the confusion without any of the reporting that you've seen from the 562, without the original post confirming that it happened because, you know, we were the first to get that that news out there that the forfeits were taking place. Then to even get the details about why they happened, you know, who that there was going to be an interim coach, like all of this information that was reported, it wouldn't have happened without the 562. So I, and this is sort of for Mike, but I think collectively as a group, we got to take a victory lap here of like the fact that the public has more the information that they do have is because we're here working sources, talking to people and reporting on this stuff because we think it's important. So if you think it's important, then, you know, help keep us around to make sure we're doing this kind of work because otherwise it would have just been mass confusion and no one knowing anything that's going on. The rumor mill would have been out of control. I'm not going to take a victory lap. and I know that's not what, that's not that's what you not meant. Really what I, I, know, I know it's not what you meant, but, what, but I would say I would agree with you that, um, I, you know, something we hear and I've heard today from administrators is, People appreciate that there are non-sensationalized journalists around to report on stories like this, and I'm definitely glad that, um, you know, I think there's other high school sports reporters out there in Southern California whose names I will not name, but who would have taken some of the rumors that were flying around, tweeted them out and gone, wouldn't that be crazy or, you know, whatever else. And I, I'm, I'm uh, happy that we run an organization that doesn't do stuff like that. And um, I think the craziest thing is we would have had it on our schedule this week, no matter what, to do a Long Beach Poly Millican football preview podcast. We're all very excited for this game. Biggest game of the year uh, in Long Beach. It's going to be on the Bally Sports streaming, uh, and it's just kind of crazy, the timing on this stuff, which I think has led to some of the sort of hurt feelings at Millican that it's like, wow, this popped up before Jordan and and Polly are, are two games really in the more league that, you know, have been competitive or that might be competitive. So, um, yeah, big game coming up on Friday, obviously a, a, a lot more to come on that, uh, on the website, but, uh, but it is definitely just a little bit of a like crazy whirlwind right, right now, uh, at Milliken, just with the, like the timing of this stuff hitting and then a 58 to 54 game in front of a great crowd. I'm sure they're going to sell the, the stands out on Friday for the poly game. And like I said, Bally sports coming and everything too. So it's, it's all pretty crazy. Yeah. If you want to see some football, go to the 562.org right now. Even though we just talked about everything but football, definitely check out that video from the Milliken-Jordan game because it's an absolute epic. Having the previews up on the website for this week is also our next thing coming, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, I also we, we also are getting into some more uh, more league sports starting this week. So I just wanted to give a quick hat tip. I know football has been kind of the topic uh, du jour, and, and there's been like the controversy and everything else swirling around it, which only adds to the fire. But uh, we got more league cross country starting this week on Wednesday at El Dorado. Uh, that should be really exciting. I'm looking forward to the battle uh, between the Poly boys and the Millican boys. Um, I think that'll be a really nice race. Jason Para and Cameron Roan should be really fun to watch. Uh, the Poly girls look to be 
be the heavy favorites on the girls' side. But also, you know, they've got a freshman, uh, Avery Peck. I'm excited to watch her run for the first time, um, who's already been <laughs> crushing um, numbers and school records over there. Uh, and then also, JJ, I know you'll be out at Water Polo on Wednesday. We've got the Varsity Showcase. So uh, Water Polo could be really fun this year, especially Wilson and Polly. Uh, you know, the Jackrabbits obviously won their CIF championship last year, but Wilson looked really solid this year. Not only that, you've also got Cabrillo, which is a top five team in their division as well. So a couple different Water Polo teams could make noise in a couple different divisions, which is exactly what made last season so exciting. So we're hoping for that again in the pool. Yeah, it's all happening in the fall, and it's all right here at the 562.org. We'll see you in the stands, y'all. Peace!